can be hard to maintain friendships in life. Luckily, Instagram makes it easy for me to keep up with all my friends in so many different fun and creative ways. Whether it's sharing snippets of my life with all my friends in stories and posts, or sending reels back and forth that remind us of each other in DMs. I also love that I get to pick and choose who sees specific stories. Not everyone needs to see everything, you know? Sometimes I just want to share something with my close friends, like if I have a great outfit I want them to look at or an interior design idea that they want their opinion on. I only trust the people I've added to my close friends list for fashion advice. Duh. There's just something so special when you see the green little close friend circle from one of your friends. I can't click fast enough. I just know it's going to be something good. My friends always find new creative ways to share things on Instagram. Whether it's sharing music stickers to songs they currently have on repeat, creating highlights for special moments, or even participating in the latest Add Yours. They really inspire me. But most of all, Instagram's just a really great place for all of me and my close friends to close the distance. Even though we're not physically together, there's this old saying of, it's just the little things, and I swear it's still true. And now I'm so glad that I get to enjoy those little things with Instagram and my close friends. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Usually on this podcast, I take like a different occupation and we look at ways that, you know, different kinds of people are either underappreciated or misunderstood and every now and then I have the privilege to talk to people who just have different walks of life and I'm so excited and honored that you Cody Green decided to sit down with me today because I'm so fascinated with you and your story and everything that you have to deal with so you were diagnosed with schizophrenia yep it's it's such a misunderstood disease. What is schizophrenia? I want to hear how this disease has shaped your life. Yeah, for those who might not know, schizophrenia is an illness that has symptoms like delusions, paranoia, hallucinations. Um, so most people don't, most people don't show signs of schizophrenia until later years. So for men, most commonly a psychotic break happens between 18 and 25 and 25 to 30 for women. Um, and I not only am diagnosed with schizophrenia, I was raised by a mother who has schizoaffective disorder. And schizoaffective disorder is just a combination of schizophrenia and a mood disorder, usually okay. bipolar. So she has both schizophrenia symptoms and bipolar symptoms. And so she had her, um, she had her first symptoms when I was younger, kind of like middle school, high school okay. age. And I became a caregiver for someone with schizophrenia. 
and I live in a super rural area wow. of Wisconsin. So there wasn't a lot of information. People were really scared of her diagnosis. I didn't understand a lot of what was going on. Uh, and then when I went off to college is when I had my psychotic break and I started having auditory and visual hallucinations, paranoia, delusions. Uh, and that led to several years of trying to self-medicate with drugs and uh, eventually ended up incarcerated before I was able to, um, you know, start advocating and do what I do now. So wow. it was a super long journey of like not only being someone that suffers from this illness, but also a caregiver at one point. Absolutely. So, so first, I have so many questions coming <laughs> from my brain right now. The ADHD is like, yell them all at once, but I won't do that because that will scare people. Is there like an a genetic component to schizophrenia? As, as far as, uh, you know, science goes, uh, it's thought to be a combination of genetics and environmental factors. Okay. So the fact that my mom had schizophrenia did increase the likelihood that I would develop it, as well okay. as my siblings. Um, thankfully, both of my siblings are kind of in the age range that looks like they'll probably be all right and not develop it. Um, but unfortunately, you know, uh, with the genetic component, I did end up uh, developing it as well. When you say psychotic break, for there's a lot of people that really just don't know what that means. Like, what does that look like in a person? So for me, um, it was very quickly, it started with paranoid thoughts, it led into delusion, and eventually I was having auditory and visual hallucinations, which made it impossible for me to function, maintain a job. Wow. Uh, I was trying to go to college at the time and I had to drop out, and so um, some of the stories I tell like on social media about my illness are from that time period of my life where I was very delusional and I was having very intense auditory and visual hallucinations. And now that I'm medicated and stable, like I still have symptoms, but it's a fraction of the intensity and severity that it used to oh, be. Yeah. And so I, uh, I do a lot of like, uh, I call it schizophrenic story times where I, I share stories about um, like circumstances I've had with auditory or visual hallucinations. I talk about some of the coping skills I've developed over the years and um, those stories were really resonating with people in a way that I never imagined uh, because like I said, I lived in a rural area. So I was like, what are the chances someone else is living right. with this illness and can understand like what I've been going through? Um, and not only did I connect with so many schizophrenia peers, but I was connecting with uh, people who were had friends, family, loved ones with schizophrenia, and uh, the impact of my content was way more than I thought it was yeah, ever going to be. Because all I was doing was just telling stories from my life, but people would reach out and be like, uh, you know, I have a sister who has schizophrenia, and you're helping me better understand her and how to help her. And um, I have psychiatrists and doctors who reach out, and they're like, I found out about a coping mechanism that you shared on your platform, and now um, I recommend that to patients. And so uh, what started as like, you know, me trying to just share my story turned into a full-time advocacy career. Wow. Well, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that I saw when I, I looked into it that 1% of the population will develop schizophrenia. Yep. So um, estimates are around 1% okay. of, okay. of the U.S. population oh, well, will develop schizophrenia. I, mean, like, I can't imagine the feeling of loneliness one might feel when told hey, you're experiencing this, this is going to turn your life upside down, but also no one around you will understand what you're going through. Yeah. So like this, you you really created a platform for these people to, one, not feel alone, not feel insane, not feel, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to, to really see someone like them 
thrive and do well, but also like make what they're going through normal. Because mm -hmm. that's really what it is. It's normal for you. And just yeah. because it's not normal for other people, like doesn't mean that that's not your normal. And it's so important to like advocate for the validity of that, you know? Well, and that was the part I didn't expect was like, I was sharing these stories that to me were just normal. Like you said, it was my everyday life and I just wanted people to better understand it. And I remember sharing my first schizophrenic story time, right. which um, I, I think at the time I had 300 followers and I was just doing TikTok like trends and stuff. Right. I wasn't actually doing the content I do now. So I had like 300 followers and I made this video talking about an instance in college where um, I was sitting at the table and I was I was starting to fail out of my classes and I, I was dealing with paranoia and hallucinations and I didn't realize it at the time. And so I, um, I was sitting at the table, a guy came up and started talking to me and we were having a conversation and we got super loud and we were chuckling and whatever. And this librarian came up to me and she was like, you're gonna have to leave. And I was so confused because she said it to me but not the other person. Uh, and it was in that moment that I realized I was by myself and I had been talking to myself in public and like the amount of embarrassment and like uh, just confusion that came over me. I remembered that story so vividly and so I told it as like my first schizophrenic story time and I went to sleep with 300 followers and I think I woke up with 10,000 followers. Wow. I've turned off notifications on TikTok <laughs> since then but... Uh, <laughs> But like it was and it like the comments blew me away because people were like, this is exactly what it was like when I started um, recognizing that I had schizophrenia or um, people were commenting like my mother goes through this or my sister deals with this. And it really like showed me that one, I wasn't alone, but that people were excited to realize that there was someone else out there with similar issues. Absolutely. So like, obviously I, I can imagine that there's so many people listening to this that have never even thought to look into what it might be like for someone with schizophrenia. Yeah. Do you mind sharing any of those stories to like share with them? Like, Hey, this is what I was dealing with, or this is what I am dealing with, or this is what I've been experiencing kind of thing. Yeah. I, um, I'm, I'm doing like now it's, it's, much better for me because I'm on stable medication. Um, I get to you know travel and do a lot of different things now. But early on, um, my hallucinations would be so intense, and I would have actual like visual hallucinations of um, faceless people, and I would I would see things that were so terrifying. But to me, it's like, and when I talk about them, it sounds like it would be fake. You know, I was like, why no. couldn't why couldn't I believe that that wasn't there? You know, my brain couldn't. I to this day like. When I have hallucinations, my I don't understand why I can't process that or understand that. And so it's confusing to explain to people because I'm like, uh, the way I, I try to tell people that makes sense is if, you, if you're sitting in a room with three people and one of them was a hallucination, I can't tell which one it is. Like that's how real it is to me. Like in the moment, that is my reality. That's actually what I'm seeing. Um, and when I talk about auditory hallucinations, people think, well, I have inner dialogue. I have like, you know, and, and I have to explain to people, that's not what it is. Yeah, I'm actually auditorily hearing things. Like um, they've done studies that prove that people with schizophrenia, it's registering in the same part of your brain as you hearing sounds. Right. So when I made like my schizophrenia simulation, uh, it's one of my most popular it's one of my most popular videos on Instagram. I just made an example of what it sounds like when I have auditory hallucinations. And one of the comments, or a lot of the comments were, 
you know, oh, like I have this. And what it actually is, is people think that inner dialogue and like intrusive thoughts are the same as like me audibly mm -hmm. hearing things. And so it's, it's like tough to explain, like, how do you like explain right. that to people? And up until like the last couple of years, uh, because of my success with medication and treatment, um, you know, part of schizophrenia is also uh, cognitive issues and, and negative symptoms. So early on, it was very hard to communicate and articulate what I wanted to say and how I wanted to explain my symptoms. Um, and so now I'm at a point where I can do that. And I think that's part of the reason people like my platform is I can put words to what other people with schizophrenia might never be able to fully explain. And um, I, like in, in a way that I wasn't anticipating, I almost became like a voice for the voiceless. I became a voice for people like, you know, my mom who may never get to like share her story on the level I did or yeah. people who will unfortunately like never make it out of addiction or, or end up in psychiatric facilities. And so it just out of nowhere became like, it wasn't something I felt like I wanted to do. It was something I felt like I had to do. Absolutely. And uh, I, I'm super lucky that I'm in a place of stability where I can do that and share my story. And I also recognize that, you know, I had a lot of resources that a lot of people don't. And I think that's important to talk about too. I had friends, family members. Uh, I had access to medical care. I had insurance through family. And so it's like, I'm also well aware of the... Uh, the, the, the privilege. The, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm well aware of the privilege I had going into uh, all of the issues that I dealt with. Wow. So you started your psychotic breaks in around college time. Yep. What did the process look like for you to formally like get diagnosed and how did you go about like really getting that situated? So the, the difficult thing about being a person living with schizophrenia is most of the time, people with schizophrenia are delusional and don't think anything's wrong with them. So in my particular case, uh, for about two years, I tried to self-medicate. And the reason for that was I didn't think I had schizophrenia. So even despite living with a mother who had schizophrenia, being fairly well educated about it, I still didn't think that's what was wrong with me. Um, I had delusional thoughts where I thought maybe um, the voices I were hearing were actually the thoughts of people around me. And so I, at points, I actually thought this was some sort of ability or power. And it uh, wasn't until years later after struggling with addiction and uh, being incarcerated that I finally reached out for help. And even when I reached out for help uh, to my mom and my, you know, my, my wife, I didn't reach out saying, I think I have schizophrenia. I reached out saying, I can tell something's wrong with me but I don't know what it is because I was delusional. Um, and so it was uh, because I finally reached out to them that they were able to get me resources and get me into a psychiatrist. And because my mom has schizoaffective disorder, um, the diagnosis did come pretty quickly for me because there is a genet genetic component. So um, my process went much quicker than like my mom who unfortunately went through what most people go through, which is misdiagnosis, wrong medication like it's a very long process but it was a little streamlined for me because of my mom's journey with schizophrenia okay. so like that was like it's not lucky but lucky at the same in a time. way like it's weird it's like weird to say yeah you know? yeah well and i so people i i always say this and people look at me like what i mean <laughs> i always say that i feel like the luckiest person with schizophrenia and people are like what but i'm like but like i genuinely mean that because it's like i don't think a lot of people with schizophrenia have the resources I had and the friends and family and like 
Um, a lot of people know that I was actually uh, with my wife. So I met my wife when I was 17. So we went to my high school, we went to my senior prom together and she was with me for about a year before I started having these symptoms. And she stayed with me through my symptoms, through my addiction, through my incarceration. Um, and I was so lucky that, you know, I had her there and um, it was hard for her and my mom to watch me go through that stuff and not be able to help, you know. That's one of the things that uh, people always reach out to me and they're like, I have a friend, family member who's homeless, struggling with addiction struggling with an addiction and has schizophrenia what can i do and i'm like i'm not the person to ask like caregivers are the people that go through that and have to watch that and there's really not like a good answer there's a, a you know there's not a good solution right now for for people really struggling and there's a lot of um laws being written and medication becoming more readily available and so uh the, the best thing i say is always just support the people as much as you can and try to make sure that you have resources ready if they reach out and ask for help. It can be hard to maintain friendships in life. Luckily, Instagram makes it easy for me to keep up with all my friends in so many different fun and creative ways. Whether sharing snippets of my life with all my friends in stories and posts, or sending reels back and forth that remind us of each other in DMs. I also love that I get to pick and choose who sees specific stories. Not everyone needs to see everything, you know? Sometimes I just want to share something with my close friends, like if I have a great outfit I want them to look at or an interior design idea that they want their opinion on. I only trust the people I've added to my close friends list for fashion advice. Duh. There's just something so special when you see the green little close friend circle from one of your friends. I can't click fast enough. I just know it's going to be something good. My friends always find new creative ways to share things on Instagram. Whether it's sharing music stickers to songs they currently have on repeat, creating highlights for special moments, or even participating in the latest Add Yours. They really inspire me. But most of all, Instagram's just a really great place for all of me and my close friends to close the distance. Even though we're not physically together. There's this old saying of, it's just the little things, and I swear it's still true. And now I'm so glad that I get to enjoy those little things with Instagram and my close friends. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Was the addiction, the art incarceration, was that like related to the schizophrenia or was that a completely separate thing? Like it how was. did that connect? So I started, the reason I started using drugs in the first place and like I get a lot of people who will come to my page and they're like, well, of course he has schizophrenia. He was an addict. What they don't realize is, is that I- that caused, yeah, caused it. Yeah, and so uh, everyone thinks that my schizophrenia was caused by addiction, but it was actually my attempt to fix it. Uh, because I was delusional and uh, at the time I didn't want to go to a hospital. I had delusional thoughts that if I went to a hospital um, they would keep me there and that the people around me were trying to poison me or sedate me so that they could bring me to the hospital. And so um, instead I tried to just, uh, I tried to power through by like using drugs and so my addiction was directly because I was trying to cope with what I was going through. 
I was hearing things and seeing things that didn't make sense. And when I used drugs, they would go away, even, even if it was for a couple hours, a couple minutes. Like I just wanted that so bad, the, the peace. And so I chased it forever. And like all it did was create temporary relief for long-term, much, much more issues. Right. And so it was, you know, it was a terrible cycle of me thinking that it you know it's helping when it's actually making it right. worse and spiral right back into it and addiction is its own disease absolutely that's already yeah. so unfortunate like it impacts so many people and so yeah. dealing with both at the same time i just i cannot imagine well and and because we we're also mentioning the incarceration and like when i was incarcerated i realized most of the people that i met were not bad people they were people struggling with mental illness, they were recovering addicts. And so it became really clear to me that like, that's just, yeah, it's where people end up. And it's, I feel like there's such little education on mental health and mental illness yeah. that when people don't understand or they don't know, or when people don't have the tools to properly get diagnosed, it creates such a problem when there are people who are in prisons who like genuinely need help oh, like yeah. somebody sent me this one story and it, it really opened my eyes a man with schizophrenia he could feel he was having a psychotic break he tried to get home as quickly as he could but could and I, I can't even I'm sure that you can relate but I, I can't even imagine the way he was describing you know I could tell I was in a psychotic break, but I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. He said he knew that he was probably acting very strange, very odd, but he just was becoming very confused and couldn't find his way to his apartment. Mm -hmm. And was just walking through all the corridors, hoping to find something that looked familiar. Um, all of a sudden, some police officers approached him so he could tell he was probably really freaking some people out. Someone probably called the police. And these officers at first were very, like, just... Clearly very, assumed this guy was on drugs. 100%. Clearly yeah. just thought he was an irresponsible person. Like, hey, what are you doing? You got to get out of here. Like, very rude, very short. Um, but this guy just so happened to get one of those little emergency medical cards yeah. in his wallet. And he managed to take it out and hand it to them. And at first they were like, what are you, what are you handing me? Like they thought it was some business card or something. Yeah, yeah. But the moment they got it in their hands and they read it, immediately softened, immediately relaxed. I mean, hey, okay, bud, let's get you home. He apparently was in a completely wrong building. Oh, he, They man. ended up, he was three blocks away from his home. Oh, so they got him home. They made sure he was inside. They made sure that he was like sitting on the couch, locked the door before they left. And that's great. But if he didn't have that card on him, yeah. what would have happened? Would they have put him in jail? Would they have arrested him? Would they have just assumed that it was kind of um, public intoxication kind of thing? And it just kind of made me think of how many more people had a similar situation where they were just really struggling with whatever mental de disease they have that they know about or have that they don't really know or understand about. And like, it's... It's a problem, and it's one that, you know, I'm privileged enough to not have really had to think about before, but that, like, that story hit so yeah. hard for me. I'm, like, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, it just made me speechless. I, and, I, and I've not only had similar issues myself, but I've talked to so many peers that have had similar issues. Do you mind sharing any? 
I've had the cops called on me for people thinking I was on drugs before um, when I was having auditory and visual hallucinations in public because I'm talking to someone who isn't there. And so people, I think, usually assume addiction over mental illness um, when it could be exclusively mental illness. It could be a combination of both. Um, but yeah, so cops tend to get called a lot on those scenarios. Um, I've been really lucky that in you know my pursuit of uh, motivational speaking, I get to do a lot of CIT training, which is crisis intervention training, where I get to talk to police officers and first responders about how to properly respond to uh, to episodes of people with addiction and mental illness, which it's so needed and so important so because needed. it can be escalated so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and not to the fault of anyone, not even to the fault of the officers all the time. Right, they don't get the training. And like, like, they need the training. Exactly. And so, like, um, having CIT trainings allows me to share my personal story. They can see a face of someone who now is doing really well because I got the proper help. I got the proper resources and it was you know a lot of people through my journey that helped me with that first responders you know it was doctors it was psychiatrists so it was like there was a lot of people involved with with me and my journey that might not realize it you know and that deal yeah. with that kind of stuff every single day and so i think just and it all comes back to education and awareness if as many people as i can get aware about schizophrenia as possible can like better understand it, it makes it easier for people to interact, understand and um, function with, you know, helping people get resources and get the attention they need. Absolutely. So when, when we talk about like medication and treatment, yeah. what does medication and treatment for schizophrenics look like? So there's, uh, there's a ton of different options and I get a lot of questions because people see me functioning really well and they want to know what meds I'm on. Because they're like, well, if he's doing I this want well. That. Exactly. <laughs> and so I have to remind people everyone has different brain chemistry. Right. So it's what, like my ADHD medication. Yeah, yep. You know, like something that works for you might not work for other people. Exactly. Like you have to find what works for you. And so there's a lot of different options. There's oral medication, there's long acting injections, there's there's at this point so many options okay. for, for people with schizophrenia. Um, tons of different antipsychotic options and new meds coming out all the time. Um, and so it really depends on the individual person. Treatment options tend to mostly be medication because before you can deal with um, other issues, you need to get a person to a point of stability where they're not delusional. And right. so treatment is largely surrounded around medication with schizophrenia, but there are like therapies and stuff that people can do to help with some of the negative sy symptoms, cognitive symptoms, and uh, you know, even like coping mechanisms for the positive symptoms as well. Okay, so when, when you're on medication, does that mean that you're completely symptom free? Do you ever like still struggle? Is it just like uh, mitigated or anything like that? Like, what does that look like for you? So that's also person to person. Okay. I, I do know people that have had, you know, complete symptom relief. That is the uncommon side of it. Okay. Most of the time, people with schizophrenia still will have some sort of, you know, symptoms, uh, whether that's like paranoia occasionally. Like, I still struggle with auditory and visual hallucinations. Okay. Um, and when I say that, people are like, well, then what's the point of taking meds? And I have to explain, like, well... It's so much better. Well, and it was like, I was having auditory and visual hallucinations, paranoia, and delusions constantly. Like, if I was awake, I was having these symptoms. Oh, wow. Now that I'm on these meds, uh, I probably have auditory and visual hallucinations 
once a week, once every other week for, for a couple hours, you know? So I'll still have episodes. I'll still have issues, but like my life was not livable day to day before. And now I can live a full functional life. And most people, if I didn't tell them and I didn't make schizophrenia uh, like my, my job, they might not even know that, that I have that diagnosis. And so as an advocate, I had to really put myself out there and be like, hey, this means that forever now people will be, able, they type my name into Google, it's connected to me. And, and I think it's just so important that people have a better understanding. And so like advocacy and social media just kind of helped me Absolutely. like do that now. And so it wasn't really something I intended, but that's, that's what it is now. Well, I had uh, someone send me a story about how their mother is diagnosed with schizophrenia. Yeah. However, she grew up um, in a kind of family that doesn't really believe in medicine and doesn't do doctors, doesn't do medication kind of thing, like refuses any treatment. And so they usually just have to slip medication very carefully into food or into yeah. this or into that. And there was a week where they just had so much trouble getting her her medication that it pretty much was the equivalent of her quitting cold turkey, um, which I hear is very dangerous when it comes to schizophrenia medication. Yeah. And she had a full-on psychotic break. Um, when they woke up in the morning one day, she was just gone. They couldn't find her. They asked friends. They went to places that she liked to hang out. She was a loved church. She loved everything about church. She loved going to different churches. They looked in all the churches nearby, could not find her, um, ended up being missing for 31 hours. Oh, so wow. a, over a whole day. Um, and they ended up finding her, they ended up finding her um, completely barefoot in some random coat that was very raggedy. Like they, he kind of compared her to pe people thought she was a beggar woman yeah. in church, crying, talking to people about divine prophecy. And people just thought, who is this lady thought something thought she was on something and so they had to try and coax her out of the building kind of thing she would not leave she was just yelling and screaming of course the other people had no idea what was going on and they were freaking out eventually were able to like okay we'll just let her stay for the rest of the service because it brings her comfort that's fine we don't want to scare her we don't want to agitate her if we let her stay for the rest of the service maybe we can get her to come back mm -hmm. so they did thankfully. And then again, she was very paranoid, wouldn't take much food from them, wouldn't take much water from them. It took days for them to get enough of her medication in her to where she at least was just sleeping. Yeah. You know, now, now we have to be more forceful with her. Like we've seen what happens when we're not forceful with her medication. She had injuries from walking around barefoot in a psychotic break, like with no shoes, you know, like we can't let this happen again. And it's one of those things where again, the people around don't know what's going on. They don't know if they don't know if she's dangerous. They don't know if she's going through a rough time. Like they're scared. She's scared. She doesn't know what's happening. She can't tell reality from hallucination. It's it's an ongoing conversation uh, because there's a lot of debate on this right now yeah. with things like the CARE Act going on in California. Okay. Tell me more about this because I don't know anything. So this is uh, so there's the CARE Act going on in California, which is implementing that. Um, People struggling with severe mental illness or uh, addiction um, uh, can have like, will have like more access to medication and treatment, but it's gonna be um, 
basically instead of going to jail or something like that, they can have access to, um, if they take their medication, they can avoid going to jail. And so there's a, a little bit of concern where people are worried that that's uh, gonna allow, that that's gonna make it harder for people to advocate for themselves and take rights away. So it's it's it really is a tough thing because yeah. I've, I've been both a caregiver and a patient. Right. And it's a tough subject right now because there's a lot of legislation around it and a lot of things in the works that um, people have different opinions on. And, and they, so I'm, I'm sure they have different opinions on like what's humane and yeah. what's fair. And, you know, there's people who want to just, well, I'll just I'll just do it. I'll do whatever because I have to care for my parent. But then there's other people that are like, but this is still a person. Yeah. And yeah. there's there's a lot of fine lines. And I I. The only I know it's not the same, but the only comparison I can think of is like when it comes to teaching and parents and teachers all have different opinions about yeah. what's what's right for the children and what's right for the students. And like you might have very different different opinions and very different ideas on what it means to do the best for them, but it's still all with love. Like yeah. it's all still with care. And I imagine it's it's the same kind of situation when it comes to caring for someone with this kind of disease of like what's the best way to go about this? So, like, I'm obviously going to ask you your opinion on, yeah. like, what you think and what you think of coming from someone who is schizophrenic and someone who is caring for another schizophrenic. Like, what is your opinion on that? And there might be people that agree with you and there might be people that oh. disagree with you. And that's okay yeah. because we're all, we all have different ideas about what is best. But the point is we're all doing it out of love and out of concern and out of care. And, like, if everyone's goal is the well-being of these people and their loved ones then that's all that really matters so yeah go ahead before i start rambling again <laughs> um and and so this uh what i what i usually advocate for is trying to avoid forced treatment obviously i say trying to um i think uh, a lot of the times i just want to make sure that that's the last resort okay i i, I always advocate for um people being able to retain their rights and and seek treatment I am realistic though, I realize that isn't always possible. And so this is one thing where there's a lot of conversation going on and I'm trying to educate my more, I'm trying to educate myself more on both sides. Okay. Because as someone who's been on both sides, I see a lot of the reasoning for why we would, you know, wanna instill, uh, or why we would wanna have people look at for his treatment. Uh, but I also obviously wanna make sure that People with mental illness are able to retain their rights and their, you know, bodily Absolutely. autonomy. Absolutely. So uh, I think it's it's a tough scenario right now because there are people who have been put into forced treatment that come out of it saying, I was really grateful that they were able to do this because I got stable and I got medicated. And there are people um, that I know that have had really good luck with forced treatment. There are there are also people I know who came out on the other side where it prevented them from seeking help later because they had a fear of institutions and hospitals and they, they couldn't trust medicine and they couldn't trust the people around them. So it, it's a really difficult situation. I don't think there's a one size fits all Agreed. answer. Yes, and 100%. I think sometimes that's what we're looking for, especially in yeah. legislation. I feel like they're yes. trying to find a one size fits all scenario. And I just like, I don't think that's the case. Mm -hmm. Like even in my mom and uh, the case of like my mom and my wife, my mom had schizophrenia. She was very aware that when I started showing symptoms, she knew what it was. Uh, 
but I refused treatment. I didn't, you know, I was trying to self-medicate. I didn't want help. I didn't think anything was wrong with me. And yeah. And so she, she just was there. She let me know she was concerned. And then when I finally reached out and this was years, she watched, watched me struggle with addiction and, and, uh, these, and these different symptoms. She waited until I came to her and said, Hey, I think something's wrong. And by that time she had everything ready. She had all the resources lined up. She, so obviously that's what I think. If, if we're really trying to make sure that people with mental illness and schizophrenia and addiction are you know, retaining their rights and like we want them to seek help. It's also statistically when we see the most effective care is when people ask for help. And we see it mostly in addiction. You know, People have the most success when they reach out for help and it's their decision. It's a little harder with schizophrenia because you have delusional states where people don't know what they're doing. They can't make decisions that are, you know, something that's cognitive. And, and right. like sometimes when you're delusional, you're making decisions that you as a person probably wouldn't make. And so it is, it's a very difficult conversation right now. And it's an important conversation. So it needs to happen there needs to be more information about how we're going to implement things like that and what that means for the patients after recovery. Because um, if we're going to start doing these things, we need to make sure they're done right and with Absolutely. with the patients in mind. So I'm not for or against anything. I just, I always advocate for trying to give the person the option. And I, like I said, I'm realistic. I understand that's not right, always, for sure. I understand that's not always possible. So this here's a question that just popped into my brain do you ever wish that your mom stepped in beforehand i so this is and this is where i usually when we talk about forced treatment and stuff i am really upset about having gone through addiction and and my being time being incarcerated right. but i don't know that i would have uh mostly because um my success ended up being really well thought out and like I got to have once I got to a little bit of stability so they got me on I, I reached out for help they got me on my first antipsychotic I was having moments of clarity and stability I got to work hand in hand with my psychiatrist with my primary care doctor to build a medicine regimen that worked for me if something didn't feel right I would I would feel comfortable going to her right away and asking to change things or work things so that I could have more clarity in the mornings by having smaller dosage and like I got to build my own medical plan and that I think is what That's gave empowering. me and and, and it's what gave me the stability and the the ability to live a full functional life where I get to travel and do things and I get to drive again. And like, I had so many freedoms stripped by having a schizophrenia yeah. diagnosis and building my own treatment and getting to the point of stability I'm at gave me a lot of that back. So like, I, you know, I, it's easy to look back and be like, that right. part of my yeah. life was horrible. Yeah. I wish it didn't happen, but I don't know what had, what would have happened had I been forced into treatment and right. what kind of, I've seen the paranoia and like the, the distrust in the system that some people have because of forced treatment. And so it's, you know, uh, I, I'm grateful for how my journey turned out and I, I wish everyone the best in their own journey. And I just always try to advocate for, you know, everyone's, postponing forced treatment unless absolutely Yeah, everyone's, everyone's road looks different, you know, absolutely. it's not all the same. I'm just, I'm so fascinated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it, it's a very, it's a, it's a topic of conversation that's very, yes. it's, Right now, this is a huge conversation happening because of increased homeless populations, increased yeah, addiction issues. Absolutely. And so it's it's a very 
it's an ongoing conversation all over the country. Right. So did did your mom, because I know that, you know, you said that she was just kind of waiting. She definitely knew what was going on with you and wanted you to come with, to her. Yeah. Did she ever hint to you or try to bring up, hey, I think it might be X, Y, Z, or did she just completely she never She never ready? said the words, I think you have schizophrenia. Okay. But she very much said, I am concerned about you. I'm worried about you. Some of these things you're doing okay. are concerning. And like... All of the time. So okay, not like okay. not like in a way where she's like, I'm about to bring you in, but like right. but like she always made it very clear she was worried about me, she was concerned about me. And I think that's what eventually led to me being like once I started having like moments of clarity where I was like, Maybe something is wrong, I reached out to her right away and she had all the resources ready to go. Interesting. My mind is just reeling right now. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's so fascinating. There's so many questions. Yeah. For you, what is that line? That's like this is like a clear cry for help. They like, do you have like a line that you're like? I don't. Okay. I don't okay. have. And this, so this is where I don't talk about this a lot because I don't know. I don't know where the line should be. I don't know that I have those answers. And it's got to be different for every person. And you know? and it is a very individual. Mental illness is such an individualized experience. Because um, I'll even see on social media, I'll make a video uh, of me having auditory visual hallucinations, and people will be like. Well, that's not how my so-and-so, my cousin acts when he has, so you must be faking. And I'm like, well, symptoms appear differently in people. Mm -hmm. um, no one has the same exact experience with mental illness. And I think that's the same thing for treatment. I don't think any one person has the exact same treatment journey and medication journey. So I, I think those conversations need to happen, but with the patient Absolutely. in mind. Absolutely. I love that. So pivoting a little bit and looking at more of being a caregiver with someone with schizophrenia. Yeah. Because I'm sure, I'm hopefully this will reach both kinds of people, people yeah. who are suffering and people who are helping, like who with their loved ones are afflicted. Um, what did like, what did caring for someone with schizophrenia kind of look like? Um, and I think, I think the best way to describe it is confusing, especially if okay. you don't have... I was a kid, you know? Right. I was a kid when I was trying to care for my mom, and so I hope that when other people go into it, they had more information right. than I had and, and more resources. Sure. So This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Um, for me, it was a lot of just, I didn't understand what was going on. And it's so frustrating and it's scary. And like you, you, you do know that there's such an unpredictability with that person and like, it, it gets hard to recognize them as the person that you knew because like when someone goes through a psychotic break, it's, it's like they're not the same person. Uh, right. And like getting people on treatment and medication brings a lot of that back. And so it's, it's a long journey. It's a difficult journey. Um, and, I, you know, I can say that as a patient as, and, and as a caregiver, 
Um, and I'm sure my mom and my wife, who were my caregivers, would, would say the same thing. Um, it's, it's a difficult journey, and I, I feel very strongly for caregivers going through that because I've been there, and it's not easy, and it's so hard to watch. Um, which is where I think, you know, a lot of those conversations like we were just having come into play. People right. people just want to help. They want answers for what they can do to help a friend or family member. Uh, and the best advice I usually can give is like, be there for them, be supportive, have resources ready in case they ask. Um, and just like, uh, I think peer support is a good thing too. Not just for patients, but there are family peer support groups out there. You can get a lot of help from people who have been through that before with their own experiences as caregivers too. Absolutely. Well, I even think more so like I, I, I was just reading so many different stories that people sent me about like I'm caring for my mother and my boss doesn't understand at work or I'm doing, I have to care for my sister, my teachers don't understand. Yeah. So like more so for people who are not affected yeah. at all, what are some of the things that you have to do as that you did to care for your mom to just to get people who like really don't know but might know someone who does or yeah. might know someone who's in this situation just to give them a little bit more empathy for like what they have to deal with and the things that they have to do i think uh uh and sorry not to do a shameless no, 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 plug no, 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 here no, though okay. um, i did an interview with my mom on the unseen and unheard podcast uh -huh. that i host and she actually described her 15 12 15 year old kids having to help her shower and like so there's a part of schizophrenia that isn't talked a lot about because people are aware of positive symptoms of schizophrenia which don't positive. mean good don't mean <laughs> good yeah sorry yeah. <laughs> for those of you who don't know positive and negative symptoms are like uh, positive symptoms are things that are in addition to to personality okay so like um i have hallucinations and delusions that is in addition to my personality negative symptoms are things that take away from my personality okay not being able to take care of myself not being able okay. to maintain okay, hygiene that makes sense. so that not, pos like, not positive <laughs> as in good just positive as in in addition to my my origin or in addition to my baseline personality okay and so um people are aware of the positive symptoms they forget that there is an entire entire like negative aspect negative aspect which includes like there's also cognitive side effects but for negative it can be anything from like uh not being able to take care of yourself not being able to uh keep up with personal hygiene things like that those are those are the most common like negative symptoms. And so that would mean like, I literally would have to like help my mom day to day, just function, like be able to take remember shower, to take her eat, meds, remember drink. to eat, remember to and like, so I was like, uh, just, it was like caring for someone who uh, has a physical illness. Like it, it's the same thing as caring for someone with a physical disability. Like I was doing things to help her that like she literally couldn't do on her own. Um, and she describes that like in, in the interview I did with her and it was, it was weird listening to, cause you forget about it, you know, as a caregiver, like that was my everyday. I didn't think about it. It was like, we were just trying to help her, you know, yeah. we just, you know, we were kids and she was a single parent. There was no one else there and friends and family were confused and too afraid to come around. And so like, we just did what we had to. And, and I, that's why I say like, I, I understand the, the pressure and, uh, intense, intense feelings that come with being a caregiver as well as a patient and it's you know it's incredibly difficult absolutely 
So I know that like mental illness as a whole like has a really unfortunate stigma around it. Yeah. So when your mom was diagnosed or when you were diagnosed, like did you deal with any kind of negative backlash or anything like that from people around you? Yeah, we, um, my mom, family members stopped reaching out. Um, we had, we had parents that wouldn't let their kids come stay at our house because my mom had this diagnosis and they were afraid she was more dangerous or like she was going to hurt someone. And that was such a, that still is a stigma about people with schizophrenia. And I never understood it because when, when I saw my mom, I didn't see someone who was dangerous. I saw someone who was confused and scared. And so it was, it was so frustrating to watch. And uh, even when I went through it, um, people were terrified. Like I would tell people I'd have this diagnosis and uh, they would be confused. They wouldn't come around anymore. They would stop talking to me. And so we lost, you know, a lot of friends and family members. Um, and, I, and I think that's unfortunately really common. I, I don't think that we were alone in that. And I hear that a lot from other people struggling with severe mental illness. And it's because a lot of people are uneducated about, it. they don't really know what they're looking at. And it is confusing. If you, if you don't know what mental illness looks like, it's a very confusing, frustrating thing. Especially when all you have to go on it is like things from movies oh, and man. media. Movies and TV shows and like, it's and so anytime they show someone with schizophrenia in the media, it's always, uh, you know, they're, they're doing something to hurt themselves or others. And like, so like people will always have this concern about violence with mental illness when, you know, Studies that will always show, well, and studies will always show that people with mental illness are more likely to be the victims of violent crime than to commit violent crime. And that's just, that's just fact. That's just a scientific fact. Yeah. And so it's like frustrating because I interact with so many people with mental illness. I am mentally ill and like, I'm, I've never harmed anyone. The people I know with mental illness have never hurt anyone. And it's like just trying to live day to day and like the stigma around it makes it really difficult because that's why people will distance themselves from friends or family members because instead of will instead of being willing to learn about it they are instead frightened by it they're scared of it so they separate themselves from it that's so unfortunate yeah. oh i hate that do you do you find that there are any other misconceptions about schizophrenia or if there's things that people just blatantly don't understand or know? Yeah, so I would say uh, one of the biggest ones I get is people still confuse schizophrenia with DID or what used to be known as multiple personality disorder. Really? Yeah, so dissociative identity disorder okay. is what it's called now, but yeah. people still confuse the two. Um, there's what I tell you, I. So I started doing comedy recently. I, I love jokes about schizophrenia, funnily enough. And uh, one of the things that frustrates me is there's, an, there's a meme that goes around. It's like the most popular schizophrenia meme. And it says, um, uh, I have schizophrenia and so do I. And it's like, uh, it's, it's really like a multiple personality joke. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, it's so frustrating because like I'll, I'll post about how I hate it. And people were like, oh, you just can't take a joke. I'm like, no. The joke doesn't make sense. It's, yeah. <laughs> They're like schizophrenia. I have schizophrenia and so do I. I'm like, that's multiple personality. It's that's DID. It's a very thing. different disorder. So like, that's a big misconception. Uh, the violence thing, I think, is the biggest one that people still are very confused about. I think the last thing that frustrates me is um, people online will assume that I'm faking my illness because I'm functioning well. well and doing well. And so what that means is people have a misconception that people with schizophrenia can't live full and functional lives with the right medication and treatment. Because what yeah. they're saying is they think that because I'm doing well, 
I couldn't possibly have schizophrenia. And that I think might be the most frustrating because yeah. I, I went through so much and it was such a journey and I was so excited to start sharing my story on social media and like uh, I was so happy with the amount of people that were being able to identify with my story just to have people be like, he's faking it just to get popular on the internet. That's so gross. <laughs> and I'm like, I hate people. And I'm like, and and I, I guess there have been people who are like, I guess there was a DID creator who admitted to like fake. And so one person does something like that. And now everyone assumes that anyone talking about mental illness or not just mental illness, physical illnesses. And like, they'll, they'll assume they're faking or like trying to use it for, for like some sort of internet fame. And I'm just like, I would trade this, what I have now right. to not have schizophrenia in a heartbeat, you know? But I was like, if I'm going to suffer from it, I should also try to make the best of it. Absolutely. And advocate for others that Absolutely. can't necessarily. Yeah. And so like, to me, that just made sense to a lot of people. They see it as like, well, he's doing too well. There's no way he could have suffered. Al it's almost like people want to see people struggle. Like they, yeah. they want to feel like we have to care for them. They can't do well without us kind of thing. And that's such a gross it is. mentality. I just. One, well, especially because like I've seen the success that people can have after. So I got to, I've been able to interview people that had schizophrenia that have went on to be doctors and lawyers and like done such cool things despite their illness and you know it's it's so frustrating that people like and, and we talked about earlier you said uh roughly one percent of the population has schizophrenia that means one in 100 people which means and people don't think about this you have probably interacted with someone that has a schizophrenia diagnosis and you might not have even realized it because a lot of the people doing well on schizophrenia or a lot of the people doing well on medication for schizophrenia are sometimes too nervous to talk about it because they don't want an employer to find out. They don't want friends or family to find out because they know that there is still a stigma around mental illness. So just rude about it. Yeah, and it's like you'd be surprised. I've had I've had really awesome, empowering conversations about like what I've done despite my illness, and I've also had really frustrating. Like I can tell I'm up against someone who doesn't know a lot about it. It's hard to educate someone starting from nothing you know like i there's only so much i can tell someone about my lived experience i'm not a doctor i'm not a psychiatrist you know so i can only explain so much to people that don't have any education about it um and that's like one of the issues with uh being an advocate is i'm fighting a very difficult battle of uh miseducation misinformation and uh you know people just some people don't want to know they would rather they would rather be okay with this idea of what they've built mental illness and schizophrenia to be than the reality of what it is. As, especially as a teacher, I saw other teenagers do this of what I'm about to talk about. Um, and it's just, sometimes people want to be an advocate for something so badly that they end up trampling on the voices of the people that they're trying yeah. to stand up for. Like um, someone sent me a story about how uh, they were in a college class and they were doing like a, a big group project um, and with you know their peers they kind of made a schizophrenic joke and they were with another some of their friends were in the group and so um they thought their friends would get the joke yeah and one of the other group members said well you can't that's rude you can't you can't make that joke yeah. and the guy was like no no, no I, I'm schizophrenic yeah like, oh, I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not against anyone I'm I'm schizophrenic yeah the guy just looks at him and goes no you're not and he goes no, I definitely am. <laughs> and he goes, well, you don't look schizophrenic. Oh, I... I... <laughs> and he's like, 
just saying that right. triggers me. And he's like, what does a schizophrenic look like? Well, the they picture like, they picture someone foaming at the mouth in a straight jacket, you oh know, my. like that's literally what people picture. So that's I think so sad. Well, the guy he didn't give him an answer. Yeah, like yeah. He's, he's like, well, I don't. I don't know, but you're just like they picture homeless normal. people talking to themselves. That's, That's what they picture. Yeah, I get it was it was crazy. And this kid was just like, I know I want you to tell me. I want you to tell me what you think schizophrenic people because you were very quick to like jump down my throat yeah. a second ago. Yeah. But now like. But what, what does is that it? look like? like? What yeah, does yeah. it look like? Like, are you an advocate or are you not an advocate? Like, what? And this, he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean anything by it. And he's like, okay, well then, just act like it. Yeah. You know, like. You don't have to, you don't have to convince me, like convince the next person that you meet, you know? You would be surprised uh, because I told you I started doing comedy. You would be surprised the amount of people who I'll get done doing a set, mostly about my diagnosis and what I've been through with my schizophrenia. And people will be like, they'll come up to me and be like, you can't joke about that. Schizophrenia isn't something you can joke about. And I'm like, you realize I have it, right? They're like, oh yeah, I, I, I heard you say that. And like, like people will even believe, like, like some people online assume I'm like faking it, but like people, they'll be like, oh, I, I believe that you have schizophrenia, but you can't joke about that. I'm like, <laughs> really? <laughs> you, really? I can't joke it, about my own mental illness? <laughs> Uh, yeah, what? so my favorite shirt now to wear when I uh, when I do so or when I do comedy stuff, I have a shirt that says "My mental illness makes me funny," <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I love that one. Well, even this one, like people will get upset. This is one of my merch shirts, and it says "Lend your voices to schizophrenia awareness." The voices in parentheses. Exactly. <laughs> So, like, that was, it It was meant to be, like, yes, I'm trying to spread awareness, but also, like, I use comedy to cope, and, well, like... Something that <laughs> I found is that, um, you know, as, as a former teacher, you know, again, very different. Oh, yeah, things, yeah. But, you know, um, people just blatantly don't care about <laughs> teacher issues. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, gee, huh, you don't get paid enough, oh, boo-hoo. Oh, like, no, they don't care. You. So I just kind of found that if I could, like, make people giggle with it, they might like actually pay attention. And that's how all of my stuff started was using comedy to address very serious issues. And you're doing the exact same thing. And it is crazy to me that people are trying, you can't joke about your trauma. How dare you? (laughs) How could you? It offends me that you're laughing at your own trauma. Well, and it's, yeah, because it's everything. Like I'll do the same thing with addiction content. Like when I talk about being a recovered addict, people will do the same thing. Like you can't joke about that. I'm like, oh, Believe me, I can, and I will, <laughs> because it's like, I went through so much, uh, and it's it's so validating to be on the other side of that, but that doesn't mean that I still don't deal with trauma from exactly. it. and that We laugh, like, we don't cry. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's how I live my life. I feel that, <laughs> no, 100%. But honestly, yeah, and that's, I mean, I felt like that's what social media gave me was a platform to not only spread awareness, but... Um, tying like comedy and stuff into it allowed me to, um, I think, reach people who originally wouldn't have tried to learn about schizophrenia. It allowed me to get people to start looking into schizophrenia and understanding mental illness because they just needed, you know, it's such a sensitive topic. It's such a, a stigmatized topic that people are too afraid to like get into it. So doing comedy allowed me to open that door for people who otherwise I think never would have learned anything else about the illness. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things where even if you do have schizophrenia, it's not necessarily your 
duty to educate everybody. Like yeah. it's totally fine. If I'm gonna try. Out. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, like other people. Like you are very brave and courageous and confident in this. It's also very normal for other people to not. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it, it kind of also goes to like any other kind of. Um, like even like microaggressions or anything like that when people I'm, I'm trying to think of exactly how to phrase this like you don't google exists yeah and well, people are more than capable of like using their fingers and their long fingernails people who like watch my videos know that like i can't actually type things <laughs> i say it on my bad apple stuff all the time i yeah. can't actually type on my computer because my little press on fingernails always <laughs> get in the way i have to type talk, talk to text can't even talk now, apparently. <laughs> but like, it's one of those things that if you're if you're going to be an advocate and if you're going to be educated on this topic, then like, do it right. Yeah. You know, like there there's already so much stigma. There's already so much misinformation. Even if you're someone that doesn't have this kind of illness or disease. Yeah. Like, be educated about it. Do it right. Like, if if you're going to do it a little bit, you have a responsibility to do it the right way. Exactly. Through and through. Like, someone sent me this one story about how their brother was schizophrenic, and they actually put him in a facility that was just the best thing for him. And when they came to visit him one week, he was a mess. Like, he was previously doing great, yeah. but that week he was not okay. And they said, what, what's going on? Like, what, what's changed? What can we help you with? Well, apparently they were having a movie night in the, in the uh, facility, and they put on the Truman Show. Ooh, and interesting for, choice for a facility. And for those who don't know, it's kind of a, it's this movie about this guy who, like, his life isn't really his life. And he it's doesn't literally, know it. It's literally like watching a delusion yes, is what it is. Yes, yeah. it's like this guy is living his life, but he doesn't know that he's living on a movie set and every like nothing is real. And he mm -hmm. was, like, like, grew up there. He has Literally no the idea. worst choice to put and on for a... A lot of the patients there with schizophrenia, they became very disturbed and started getting very paranoid. And the nurse who put it on was like, what, so I'm just supposed to know everybody's triggers? And she was so irresponsible with it. And then each, most of those patients were struggling so hardcore in that week. And again, it just kind of goes back to this idea of like, if you're going to do it a little bit, you got to do it all the yeah, way. And you yeah. have to do it right. Because there's so much misinformation there's so much stigma there's so much harm already that if you don't take the time to do it the right way don't do it at all exactly because yeah. you're just you're just contributing to the problem and it may not be as severe as like that nurse yeah but even you know spreading that meme the meme about um i I have schizophrenia, I do too. Yeah, like, that's yeah. still spreading misinformation. Yeah, yeah. You have no idea, like, you're still harming people in that way. You might not know it, and you might not think it's that big of a deal, but it is. Yeah, well, and it's, you know, it's the same with anything. Like, if I'm going to talk to someone about something, I want to know what I'm talking about, you know? Right. And I think that's such an easy concept. Right. Like, Like, and if you don't know, learn, because, like, it, like there's things that I will not talk to you about because I'm like I don't know anything about right. that there's certain topics I won't address but I'm like you know the one thing I can talk about is my lived experience I can talk about what I do know about what I've looked like what I've learned about schizophrenia not only as a caregiver as a patient but as someone who's done extensive like schooling and research now too and so it's like of course, I'll, tell, I'll talk to you about that stuff, but I'm not going to step into places where I don't know. So DID is a really good example of this. Um, 
I, I, I have mutual friends who are DID creators. I'm not going to claim to know anything about their lived experience, about, you know, about that illness, because it's not something I've dealt with. It's not something I know a lot about. And I think that's such an easy concept, you know? <laughs> I have, um, I don't know much about DID at all. Yeah. Um, but I actually had a little bit of experience of an issue with the, the concept where I started a, um, I started a little Discord server for my followers, right? And I started have, I started having quite a few number of people come in saying, hey, we're a system. What that means is we have DID, so we will sometimes log in and chat with people under this name. We will sometimes log in and chat with people yeah. under this name. Alters. And yep. I don't know much about DID. I do know that it's rare. It is. And I do know that someone's not going to be typing as a different alter every five seconds. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I, like I said, I just, I don't know enough about it to, to really even say much about it. Because I'm like, it, it is a rare illness. It's a very, like, misunderstood illness. And so it's one of those where, like, just like schizophrenia, um, I don't know a ton about it. You right. know, well, it's or like, well, the, unlike schizophrenia, it's like, I, I've never had lived experience. And I haven't really done a lot of research on it. So I do have a few friends who are uh, creators with DID. And so... All I would I love to ask them about. Yeah, and all I know is what I've learned from them, honestly. Well, the issue was um, because they were typing as a different alter every five seconds. And I don't mean like one or two. I yeah, mean like, like 13 different names yeah. in the span of 30 seconds. It caused a lot of young kids. What is that? What does that mean? Hey, minors, please DM me. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so then really... I had to... I had to just go ahead and say, I'm so sorry. We have to ban systems. Yeah. I don't have another choice because I'm not a trained professional and I can't diagnose someone. Like, it is so unfortunate that gross people in this world try to misuse it. Misusing this real illness to target minors. Like, that's that's disgusting in so many ways. And I said, I truly feel so sick and sorry for people who really are dealing with this. But anyone who is talking about being a system, you're going to get banned from this disco. I can't risk it. Yeah. It's just not safe. And I'm so sorry, but I have to do that. Well, there's there's even like mental health advocates who will like misuse mental illness and mental health to target people, and it's That's so gross. I've seen it a couple of times. It's been brought to my attention, and the the frustrating part about it is not only do these people like want to target kids, they'll target kids who are very vulnerable because they okay. they are talking about mental illness and mental health, and so yeah, incredibly frustrated and incredibly, you know, it does a lot of damage to being able to educate people properly on these things too. Right, right. I'm just, people are why we can't have nice things yeah. and it, it's infuriating and it frustrates me and I really wish there was a fix, but you know, we live in the, this world. <laughs> but before we go, are there any other misconceptions or anything else that you want to address or talk about and leave our listeners with in regards to either having schizophrenia or caring with some for caring for someone with schizophrenia i think the the thing i always try to end on is like uh i want people with schizophrenia to remember that uh when they get diagnosed uh, so when i was first diagnosed i 
my diagnosis felt like a death sentence. I didn't think there was anything to look forward to. I'd only ever seen my mom struggle and, and like really have a lot of issues with schizophrenia. And because of her late diagnosis, she didn't get early, uh, she didn't get early intervention. And so it, it left her with a lot of cognitive and negative uh, side effects. And so I just want to remind people who are newly diagnosed or might be looking at a diagnosis that with the right treatment, right medication, anything is possible. Um, because when I was first diagnosed, I felt very alone. I felt very afraid. And so now I just want to be the voice that I needed when I was newly diagnosed and terrified. Um, and make sure they don't feel so alone. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there are, uh, if, you know, if I'm not your cup of tea for whatever okay. reason, there are other creators out there talking about schizophrenia and mental illness. And, and there's a ton of people doing this now. And um, I'm just like super grateful I can be a part of the conversation, educate people in my own way and uh, be able to do that through social media, through like YouTube, TikTok and, and podcasts. And I, I couldn't imagine, you know, being... I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else now that I'm doing this, and I'm, I'm just super grateful. I love that. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with yeah, me today. Thank you. I appreciate I know it. it was a lot later than we wanted it to be, <laughs> but I really appreciate it. No one has to know. It could be 8 yeah, a.m. Yeah, for all that. It's so early, guys. <laughs> oh. I'm not doing this last minute. No. <laughs> we, we just woke up, had <laughs> breakfast. Not me at all. I don't do anything last minute. <laughs> I'm so responsible. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm going to go to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys uh, everyone so much for joining us and taking the time to hear Cody's story. I hope you were as fascinated as I am. And maybe we'll like see if people have more questions in the comments and yeah. we'll like do some add-ons later. Because I'm, I'm sure like sometimes I get so fascinated and intri intrigued that I'm just like, whoa and then there's avery in the back that's like i would have asked these 10 more questions yeah I'm like well why didn't you text me <laughs> why why didn't you let me know well are, are there any other questions i should have been <laughs> <laughs> he's tired he wants to go to bed like, we're going to bed rebecca <laughs> but thank you all so much i hope you guys have a great rest of your day and hope to see you all next week bye my lovelies Ooh.